One of the reasons many people enter into illicit relationships, or at least boundaryless relationships, is because they are seeking something that they are lacking within, something at the core of their being. And that which they are lacking is genuine peace, true peace, what the Old Testament refers to as shalom, and what the New Testament uh, Greek equivalent is ironeia, the, the peace that passes all understanding. And this is a peace that can only come from our fellowship with Christ, our fellowship with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. But when we begin to seek it in other people, places, or things, it becomes a source of that seeking becomes a source of chaos, pain, and misery. So one of the best ways to ensure that we can have healthy, loving relationships is to find and secure and embrace that gift of peace. And the prophet Hosea, at one point, he cries out, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I think that's so true. Oftentimes, Believers are destroyed, literally destroyed. People die for lack of peace. Uh, and per to pursue that peace, to try to ease our anxiety, to try to find some sense of stability in our life through other people, places, and things, when we lack that genuine peace, that shalom, that irene in the Greek, we are on a path to destruction. And so seeking peace is a good thing to do. It is something we are commanded to do. But we have to seek the proper kind of peace. So I want to spend some time talking with you now about peace, how we find this peace that is so profound and is a, truly a part of your inheritance as a Christian. And if you can embrace this, you will have a much better opportunity to find genuine, healthy, loving, Christ-centered, Christ-like relationships because you won't be lusting after other people as well as places and things to fulfill something in you that they simply cannot fulfill. I know I've said before that... Um, that Oftentimes, in the early days and months of a new relationship, it will feel like I have found the answer. I have found peace. It's like the the adolescent who discovers sex and thinks they've discovered love and only finds later that they've adopted a very destructive way of functioning in their sexuality. And so it is possible in the early days of any new relationship, and especially for those of us who might struggle with romance addiction, love addiction, uh, th to have all the fireworks going off chemically and, and think, well, I have found the answer to life. Uh, you are, you complete me, as the old saying goes. But it doesn't last long. It does eventually wear off. And so what you're looking for is a lasting peace, the peace that only comes to those who are in Christ. So I want to talk with you about shalom, these two words, shalom in the Old Covenant and um, Irenaea in the New Covenant, uh, the New Testament, the Greek equivalent to shalom. So let's talk about, first of all, what it is. 
what it is. In this session, we'll just focus on what it is. In the next session, we'll talk about for whom this is and how it is appropriated. And then in the session following, session following that, we will consider that you how it is that you can dare to believe, dare to believe that this piece can be yours. Now, I'm going to ask you to do a little work. We're going to have to uh, change our thinking, especially. We're going to have to consider what it is that we think about, what it is that we fix our thoughts on, uh, because that is a big piece of how it is we either find peace or we discover chaos, pain, and misery as being the guide of our life. So, let's begin, first of all, by just looking at the word shalom, and then we'll look at its Greek equivalent. So, the Hebrew word shalom, which is, by the way, Strong's Concordance 7965, it appears 237 times in the Old Testament. 237 times in the Old Testament. And one of the things we know about biblical interpretation, whenever the Holy Spirit is repeating something, it is for emphasis. Well, this is emphasized 237 times. Peace is part of God's will for his people. So what do we mean by shalom? Well, it's defined as safety, well-being, happiness, health, prosperity, peace, favor, friend, friendship. It is also referred to as uh, good or great health, perfect peace, peaceable, rest, being in a state of well-being, welfare, uh, well, holy, being complete, and in covenantal realm, it has to do with sound, healthy relationships. So, this is a great promise that's given to us. And it's referred to, again, 237 times in the Old Testament. Now, one of the key texts that we often have heard, and maybe be familiar to you, is Isaiah 26.3. Uh, something that we have here. Let me turn there real quick. Isaiah 26, 3. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Other translations read, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that's our first hint then. Our first insight is to how we secure this peace. Again, it is, it is by inheritance. It is by gift. It is not something just for the ascended. It is not something just for the spiritually elite. Someone who's been in Christ for five minutes is an heir to this peace. It's not some place that you have to reach through, through, through sacraments or rituals or self-discipline per se. It is It is not something that you can evoke and not something you can earn. It is a gift of God. Now, we need to work, do some work to appropriate it only because we lit, we're coming from a fallen state and we're habituated to chaos, 
pain and misery, and we have to rehabituate ourselves to begin to think in such a way, and again, let me say that, think in such a way as we begin to experience and embrace peace. So let me give you another translation here, the old standard translation found in um, the King James Version, the authorized version. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let me break that out a little bit for you. Thou will, meaning God only, keep him in perfect peace. Now, the Hebrew there is could be translated peace, peace. Thou will keep him in peace, peace, perfect peace. It's emphasized, not just peace that lacks conflict or uh, is, is the opposite of, of war, but an aggressive, genuine peace. Peace, peace. Thou will keep him in peace, peace, whose mind or thoughts or imagination is stayed on thee. Very important to understand that. We are inundated, inundated with information. We are inundated every day. If you own a TV and you watch it at all, uh, you listen to the radio, you're being inundated with the debt crises or the, or famine or the drug crises or the fentanyl crises or the increase in violence in our inner cities and uh, the threat of war of China invading Taiwan and, and yada, 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 yada. And our minds get filled with all the news and highlights of living in a fallen world. That is completely opposite of what Isaiah is saying here. Let me read the context. Isaiah 26, again from the authorized version. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Your salvation is your walls. Your salvation is your bulwark. It is your boundary. It is It is the... Uh, the, the, the reality, the spiritual reality that encompasses you about. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. What a profound phrase. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth. See, we are inundated with chaos, pain, misery, and lies daily. Here, those who keep the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now that's a progression. Very important to understand. God will keep him in peace, peace, perfect peace, whose mind it stayed on thee. So the question before you now is this. What is your mind stayed on? What is it that you think about the most? What is it that you obsess on, if you will? What is it that captures your thoughts, either consciously or perhaps unconsciously? Because whatever that is, is producing a result. Let me say that again. 
Whatever it is you're thinking about the most is producing a result in your life. If it's producing fear, chaos, pain, misery, lust, rage, then you have to check your thinking. Very important. Whose mind is stayed on the, again, your thoughts, your imaginations. So the first step to finding peace and embracing peace, genuine peace, well-being, oneness, completeness, wholeness, favor, good health, mentally, emotionally, and even physically. There's no question that living in fear, living in depression, living in, in a state of constant anxiety has effects on our physical bodies. Many times people who find when they do their trauma work they are relieved of migraine headaches, digestive problems, uh, ongoing aches and pains in their body, seemingly mysterious aches and pains in their body. So if you are in Christ, your inheritance is peace, not chaos. Your inheritance is, is peace, not fear, anxiety, pain, and misery. The progression here then is to Check your thoughts. Check your imagination. What is it you think about? If we are focused on God and his attributes, then we will find ourselves moving into a state of trust to magnify the Lord in our minds. And the best way to do that is through reading scripture. We don't have to sit in some kind of a a meditative position and wait for something to strike us or, or do some kind of ritualistic form of meditation, what we need to do is open our Bibles. What we need to do is focus on the attributes of God. What we need to do is be focused on what God has accomplished on our behalf in Jesus Christ. Open the Psalms. Open the Proverbs. Open the Gospels. Read John 13 through 17 over and over and over again. That section of the Gospel of John, 13 through 17, is filled with promise after promise after promise that Christ will fulfill and has fulfilled, chief of which is the fact that he is in you, he was with you, that, that you are the temple of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that you are never fully alone. There may not be people around you in the moment. You may be going through a season where you're feeling a little isolated socially. And that's not good. You'd want to resolve that as you can. But it's not a cause for panic. Because no matter where you are, if you're in the car alone, driving down the freeway, the Father and the Son have taken up their abode with you through and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Focus on his presence. Focus on that great reality. Now, I'm not prescribing some kind of a, a goosebump spiritual experience as being necessary here. Very important to understand that. A lot of people are looking for some kind of a feeling or some kind of an experience to precede 
faith. And in the last hundred years, that has become very popular Christian spirituality. It may be popular within certain Christian circles, but it's not biblical spirituality. True Christian spirituality always begins with the mind, always begins with the thoughts of our imagination, always begins with what we think about. And so the first step in securing genuine shalom is to that well-being that belongs only to the people of God is to consider what it is you're thinking about. Faith and thinking is our synonyms. If you want to increase your faith, as he says here in this verse, because he trusteth in thee. It's in the present tense. Because he ongoing, continually trusteth in thee. Well, that trust is a natural consequence of thinking about, magnifying, glorifying, rejoicing in the attributes of God, your heavenly Father, and in the glory of his dwelling within you. You don't have to have a spiritual experience to understand and believe that that is the great reality for you. Now, here's the irony. Here's the paradox. Once you begin to set your mind on the attributes of God, once you begin to focus on the character of God and his power, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his presence to you, because he is present to you in this moment, in this very moment, he is present with you and with the church. He is there. Once you begin to understand that mentally, and, you, and those, that becomes the, the, um, uh, the thoughts of your imagination, you will have an increase in experiential and ex, uh, existential reality of peace. You will have in, an increase in experience. But you can't chase an experience. You have to chase the, the thoughts of your mind. It has to begin there. So much of American Christianity is experiential, and they use music, they use um, inspirational messages, they use power phrases, especially the music these days. It is designed to create some kind of um, existential experience that, that, that is chemically produced, most of it. Most of it is adrenaline. And has nothing to do with the presence of God. Has nothing to do with God's presence in your life. People come walking out of some of these big mega church, massive worship services with professional musicians, and they've repeated choruses over and over and over again. And they've got themselves wrapped up and worked up into this this foam, this froth of worship. And then by one o'clock, it's fading. By 2 o'clock, it's gone. And by 4 o'clock, you're back where you were before you went to church. That's not genuine biblical experience. On the other hand, open your Bible. Look for texts in Psalms and other parts of the Scripture, uh, like this one in Isaiah, that begin to magnify the attributes and the glories and the power and the wonders and the grace and the mercies of God in Christ into your life and set your mind on them 
Find a psalm that mag- that edifies and glorifies God and repeat it. Learn it by heart. Write it down. Don't type it out, by the way. Write it out by longhand. That's going to get into your brain much quicker than if you're typing it. That's a proven scientific fact. When you write something out, it gets into your brain faster and stays there longer. So I hope you hear what I'm saying. Your your inheritance is peace. And it all begins in the mind. Now the um, Greek equivalent I mentioned to you is Irenaeon. And that in the New Testament, the, the Greek equivalent for Shalom in the New Testament is quoted 92 times in the New Testament. And the definition is by means to join. It comes from the verb, Greek verb, to join. Meaning you're you're complete. You're in oneness. You're not fragmented. You're not you're not um, distracted. You're not double-minded. Remember, James tells us to let that man who's double-minded think he'll re- let him not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So we have to have a oneness in our minds, a peace, a quietness, set at one again. These are all definitions of Irene, from which we get the a name, by the way, Irene. So it's, it's the opposite of a fragmented, disturbed uneasiness. It's a oneness, it's a peace, it's a quietness, it's a rest, set at one again. So maybe turn the TV off a little early tonight. Maybe don't turn it on at all. <laughs> I know that's hard to do, especially in the playoff seasons and things like that. But be mindful. Be mindful of what you're putting into your brain. Because the peace that you long for, the serenity that you desperately need, begins in your mind. It begins with what you put in your mind. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Well, let's pause there. That's just an introduction. In the next session, we'll talk about for whom uh, this peace is, and we'll talk more about how it's appropriated. And then I'm going to challenge you to believe that it can be yours. Many of us have lived with a state of chaos and anxiety for so long that we have a hard time believing we could be anything else. Uh, There is a possibility that we become habituated and pain and chaos and misery, even for believers, becomes uh, normative for us. We can't imagine a life outside of that. But we must begin. True faith has to do with how we think. And And it has to do with how we think and, and our imagination, what we focus on. Well, let, let's leave it there and uh, just know that there is an answer. This is the this is key to you forming and maintaining healthy, loving relationships. When you can release the other people in your life, especially those closest to you, from having to be your source of peace, you'll stop taking prisoners. You'll stop being a source of bondage to others. And you'll stop being so needy that you drive people away. And instead, you'll begin to be a source of care and concern for them. Unconditional love and service to them. 
you find yourself being in this peace that we're talking about today. You'll find yourself being of maximum use to God and maximum service to others. And that is the basis for genuine community. Two or three or two or three thousand. It doesn't matter. It works at any, any level, any numerical level. The Lord's peace be with you as we continue to pursue the solution that is given us in the gospel for developing healthy, loving relationships. Amen.